have some awesome speakers for you guys today. We actually have, um, over the summer, we do a six-week internship program with our high school students. And so today, um, we have four of them bringing the word to you this morning. Come on, they've been prepping, preparing, really just in the presence of God, leaning into what he has to speak so that, um, you know, they can... They can let you know what God's saying. So I'm going to ask them to go ahead and come on up. Um, we have Aaron, Duncan, David Dobson, Gabby Bridges, and Aiden Sims. Come on. Yes. Um, man. I just, I'm sorry, I'm going to turn away and speak to them for a second, but you guys can hear. I just want to let you guys know, like, I am so proud of you. I am just, my heart is so full watching you guys lean in like never before over these past six weeks. Really learning how to do the hard things, leaning into things that you may not have wanted to lean into, serving in different areas, really putting your all into what God had in store for you over these six weeks. And I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm excited to hear you bring the word this morning um, because I know God has deposited such a strong word in each and every one of you. Um, and I can't wait for these, for our people to hear it. Um, so yeah, proud of you guys. Love you guys. Okay. Um, I want to read a scripture for you guys real quick. Today we are going to be talking about... Um, Four things that we never grow out of in our faith. Four essentials that we never grow out of. Um, and so I want to read Jeremiah 1 um, to you guys real quick. Starting in verse 4, it says this. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, that's Jeremiah speaking, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to whoever I send to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And what I love about this is that before we were born, he set us apart. Before we even knew who we were, God anointed us, appointed us, and set us apart for such a time as this. And what I love is that God, when he calls you, he doesn't discriminate. He doesn't care what age you are. He doesn't care what gender you are, what race you are. Come on. He doesn't discriminate with his callings. He doesn't discriminate with his love. He doesn't discriminate with his anointing and his love. And um, today what we're going to talk about I think is just so great because we, each of these four things that they're going to speak on, they have walked these things out. They have a testimony from these things about how good God is, how God has called them and, and appointed them um, for each of these four specific things. And um, yeah, I encourage you guys to lean in take notes, 
just because they're young, just because they're students, does not mean that God's not speaking to them. Like I said, that God doesn't discriminate when it comes to who he calls, and he has called and appointed these four. And so I just encourage you to lean into what they have to say this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and then Aiden's going to kick us off. God, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that you set us apart. God, that you have called us. You've anointed us. You've appointed us, God. And I just pray right now that as we bring the word this morning, God, that these words would be straight from you, God, and that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Our ears would be open to whatever you have to say, God. We would receive whatever you have to say and run with it and let it be life-changing. We love you and we thank you for all that you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Courtney. Good morning, Celebration Church, Orange Park. How are we doing this morning? Doing good? It's good to hear. I know it's already said, but my name is Aiden. I am a youth student leader and intern here at the church, and I serve over in the 6-8 section of church. And I have the honor and privilege of bringing you the very first part of this four-part message. And my part is about prayer. Prayer is a very interesting topic because I believe it is one of the absolute essentials to our faith. It is something that is universally uh, kept throughout the entire scripture, throughout the, the prophets, the disciples, and even Jesus. He prayed, meaning it's very important. So I would like to begin by reading scripture out of Matthew chapter 6. I'll be reading from verses 7 to 13. And it says, And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you're going to pray for before you ask him. Instead, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I love this scripture, and I'm sure a lot of y'all, if y'all have been in church for a while or even just a little bit, you've probably heard this scripture. It's a very famous scripture. And it's because it's what Jesus specifically says, what to do and what not to do in prayer. And I'm going to focus on the second thing I just said, what not to do in prayer. I'm going to be highlighting three things that this scripture points out not to do in prayer. The first thing you shouldn't do in prayer is be boastful in prayer. It's in verses 7 through 8 where it says, Do not be babbling on like the pagans who think that they will be heard for their many words. Many of us think that how, how can we be boastful when we're talking to somebody who's so much higher than us? Somebody who's the God of the universe? How can we be boastful to a being like that? And when it says boastful, it means caring more about how you sound to the people around you than how you sound to God. How, how many of y'all know someone that just, like, always does really long prayers? Like, like, always, like, five-minute prayers, like, seems to always use the most fancy language ever. I'll be like, half the time, I'll be like, amen, no idea what that means, but amen, hallelujah. Um, my mom actually prays like that. Um, <laughs> I was, um, she's a good prayer. She's a prayer warrior, um, and I look up to her for that. But for a while, I thought that that was the standard for praying. I used to think that I had to pray like that for God to hear me. I'm here to tell you, God does not care if your prayer is five minutes or if it's five seconds. As long as your heart is conveyed to God, that's all that matters. The second thing that the scripture points out is making prayer all about yourself. I feel like a lot of times it's very, uh, it's like, oh, 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 like, it's very easy to come to God 
and be like, I want this, I need this in my life, I need this financial status solved, I need this relationship brought back together. And so many times we just come to God with a bucket list or a grocery list of things we want done in our life instead of approaching him like a father or a friend that he is in our life. I mean, he's our provider, but oftentimes I feel like we just limit him to being our provider instead of all the other roles he plays for us. How many of y'all know someone that, like, always talks? Like, it, may, it might not even be your friend, but you know someone that just always talks about themselves, never lets you talk. It's always about what they've done, their experiences. <laughs> Oftentimes, we, I mean, because, like, if we know someone like that, we, we probably don't like that person. They never let you speak, right? I'm sorry. Like, that's, that's the truth. That's, that's probably how it is. And we might say, wow, I, I don't like people who are like that, yet so many times we approach God in that mindset. The last thing the scripture says that you shouldn't do is being unwilling to forgive others. It's in verse 12 where it says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. The reason why this is important is because unforgiveness is two different chains. Not forgiving ourselves and not forgiving others. And they're equally entwined. If we do one but not the other, we're still bound. We can, say, we can ask God to forgive us all we want, but if we don't forgive others, we're still bound. And so as I close out this message, I would like to ask you if, you are, if you don't know how to pray or if you are struggling perhaps with anything I mentioned about prayer or anything I didn't mention about prayer, I would love to direct you to some of our pastors like Pastor Courtney and Pastor Kevin and Pastor Robert Bass. They would love to walk you through on how to pray. And that is going to be it for my message. Thank you for giving me the, your time to preach to you all. And I will be passing the mic off to Gabby. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, Aiden, you did amazing. That was amazing. Um, this morning, I'm going to talk about, oh, no, I'm Gabby, by the way. Sorry, y'all heard that, but I'm Gabby. I'm a youth intern and student here, um, and I have the honor and privilege to talk to y'all about community and how powerful it is. So community was given to us by God, and it was the most, one of the most powerful and useful resources that we can use in our lives. And we were designed by God as individual parts of one body. And in order to function and to feel whole, we have to be in community with one another. Yeah. And community can be found anywhere, and it can be built anywhere. And community is, you're just doing life and going through the motions with, with another person, but, but together. And so you can find community at school and at work and through groups find community on the street if you wanted to. I mean, wherever you want. Um, <laughs> for me and my family, it's here in this congregation. And life can be so hard and so challenging. And you need those people to be with you through the ups and the downs. Yeah. And in community, you can find that safety and that encouragement and above all else, that love. Yeah. And in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says... Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? 
Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So we are so much stronger together. And think about your physical body and how you need every single part of you in order to function and operate properly. It's the same exact thing in community. And we need to be in fellowship and unity with one another because we all bring something to the table. So when we come together with all of our different parts and perspectives and gifts, we lack absolutely nothing. And in 1 Corinthians 12, we can find where God breaks down each of us being equipped with different gifts and and different things that we bring and how every single one of them is important. And he specifically designed us like this so that we would have to need each other and care for one another and support one another. And in verses 25 through 26, he says, there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, each part should suffer with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. So you have something that I need, and I have something that you need, and together we can strengthen one another and share wisdom and partner with one another. And so we are the body of Christ, and we are never stronger than when we are a unified front. And in the unity of community, (laughs) that's hard. The unity of community (laughs) is one of the many ways God prepares a table before us. And every single one of us has a seat at that table with our names on it. And we are not meant to feast alone. (laughs) So I hope this encourages you and helps you understand the value and importance of community. And I'm going to pass it on to David. Thank you. That was amazing. Can we give a round of applause for Gabby? That was awesome. Uh, praise God. Jesus. So, my name is David. Obviously, you guys know. I'm an intern and a student in uh, Orange Park Celebrations Youth Group. And today, I get the honor and privilege of talking about serving. The reason I say honor and privilege is because this is exactly who Jesus was. Jesus was someone who served. And, he, and the acts of love that he's shown throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, because he's even in Scripture, prophets talk about him, that he would be the one who serves, the one who came in the name of the Father. And today, look, man, I'm going to talk about how he, how he washed people's feet. Maybe that makes you uncomfortable. I don't know how y'all feel about that, but <laughs> I'm going to be talking about the washing of feet today. I want to point out that the feet is not just the lowest part of the body, but it's also the dirtiest, especially back then. Because they wasn't rocking the Jordans, they was rocking the Jesus sandals, like, you know what I'm saying? And they were, and they were stepping in dirt. I mean, imagine going along this journey. They were stepping in some goat poop, sheep poop. I don't know what it was, but they were stepping in something. It wasn't clean. And in John 13, verse 14, it says, And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to do this to each other. Jesus went in a posture and he came down to his disciples to show them, not just to empower them, but to show them, I've done this for you, now go and do it to others. Maybe there's people in this room who God's called you to serve. 
that you say you're a follower of Jesus, and, and you're saying, Jesus, I want to serve others. I want to live in your image. Then I want to tell this to you. If we, as a community, want to be used by God, we have to be willing to serve in the valley. We have to be willing to serve in the lowest. Why? Because in this verse, Jesus came low. And us as Christians have to be willing to imitate the posture of Jesus when he came low. Amen? I also want to point out how in the same chapter, the same chapter, John 13, later in the chapter says, in verse 31 through 32, as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give glory to his own Son, and he will do so at once. Notice how before he entered his glory, he came down. He came low. So my second point is this. Where there is serving, there is glory. I need to take some water. Yo, my mouth is dry. That's some good water. Where there is serving, there is glory. After Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he went to enter his glory. Instead of saying, let's go out with a bang, we're going to do some crazy miracle before I descend to the fall, he came down. I want to let you guys know that sometimes we have a dream of what ministry can look like, what serving can look like. Sometimes we think it's serving at the mountaintop. The biggest churches, the biggest stages, the biggest arenas. Sometimes it looks like the dirtiest, the lowest places, the lost places. It looks like going to the streets of the homeless and tearing, telling them about Jesus, telling them about him a hope, a love, putting them before yourself. They are the mountaintop. They are the dream. Treat them as that because Jesus treated you as that. I want to talk to one last group of people in here because I just talked about the people who have a calling to serve. Everyone has a calling to serve. But there's a group of people in here who might not feel worthy enough to serve. And I want to let you know that Jesus did not just clean his disciples' feet, but with his blood he cleansed you and he cleansed your feet. And now that empowers you to go serve others. Receive the love of Christ. Because this is who Jesus is. It's what the cross represents. Hope for the lost. You don't feel worthy? Good, he was worthy for you. You can't serve? Good, he served for you. I want to leave with this last point, and it's this. Serving isn't a job. You don't clock in or out. You're always clocked in. If you're going to serve here, serve out there. Because living a life with Jesus isn't clocking out. It's always being in because you are in him and he is in you. Three seconds left. I'm done. I can't go over. I want to respect her time. So I'm going to give the mic now to Erin. She'll be talking about worship. Thank you. round of applause for David. That was so good. Um, so like David said, my name is Erin, and I am also one of the student interns, and I'm going to be talking about worship. And one of worship's biggest goals is to elevate Jesus above everything else, because it puts him as the highest priority in your life, and then has everything else come under alignment under his presence. 
And it's just a time where we can fix our eyes on him and just praise and sing his name and give him all the glory. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we explain what worship is to us, but what is the actual true definition of worshiping something? So worship means to prize something above everything else or to honor it as the thing of highest importance and to act accordingly. But do we truly honor and prioritize God when we worship if we only do it in a building on Sundays or Wednesdays? Is it truly that prize that we're looking for or has that just become a habit? that we come together and we see that person next to us raising their hands or the music sounds really good or Maverick City just came out with that cool new song and I like it and I wanna sing along to it but are you actually singing and thinking about what the lyrics mean? Are you actually praising God? And so worship is a continuous heart posture and action of praising the Father because whatever sits on the throne of your heart is what you're going to worship. And the reason why we worship is because God is good. He loves us. He's never forsaken us. He saved us. And because we love to meet him in his presence. We love to get to know him more. And ultimately, if you love a person, whether it's a family member, a friend, or a relationship, you're going to want to spend as much time with that person as you can. You're going to seek them out. You're going to seek that relationship out. And so it should be the same with Jesus. Yeah. We should be seeking out his presence, getting to know him more, letting him fill us up yeah. because it's, in, it's enjoyable. And it should be everywhere we go and not just because of the circumstances or the building that we happen to be in. And so Matthew 6, 5 through 6 says, And when we pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when I tell you, pray, go into the room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Because if we're not searching and seeking for God in every aspect of our lives, then we're going to miss him. Yeah. If we're looking at something over here and we're getting angry and mad and frustrated that we can't feel God's presence and he's right there next to us, he's just saying, turn around and look at me. Yeah. He's right there. But we're not in the building. We're not around other believers. So we're looking over here. He's there with us all of the time. He's not a circumstantial God. He's not just here when we are in our community or when we're serving or just in prayer. He's there all of the time. And some of the most powerful moments I've experienced personally have been when I've been by myself in my room. Maybe I don't even have music on. And I'm just talking and singing my own songs to him. And he meets me right there every single time because it's just me and the Lord with no distractions, no outside motives, and just that intimate moment of praise and worship. And so I just want to encourage you to take some time alone with the Lord 
focusing on only him in that true worship. So I'll hand it off to Pastor Courtney. Come on, can we give it up for these students one more time?